Welcome to Dwight and Shining Armor, The Sunken Kingdom, the behind-the-scenes podcast about everything Dwight. I'm Josh Breslow, and I play Yakopa. Today, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 9, Agnet, written by Leanne H. Adams and Brian J. Adams, directed by David Jackson, guest-starring Evan Hofer, McKaylee Miller, and George Breslow. <laughs> oh, I thought it was pronounced Josh Schmezlow. That's right. <laughs> As always, we have a blanket spoiler alert, so if you haven't watched Season 2, Episode 9 yet, stop whatever you're doing. It won't hurt to leave your crush in that snake pit a bit longer. And watch Agnet, either on BYU TV or at BYUtv.com slash Dwight. A quick recap. Baldrick leaves town and the kids have the house to themselves, so they promptly go into the dangerous woods on their own so Claudewig can take on a challenger to his hammer throw championship. While in the woods, they literally fall into a trap set by Claudewig's not-so-secret admirer, Agnet. <laughs> Will they ever escape this snake pit? Will Agnet ever take the hint that Claudewig isn't interested? Will she ever find her extremely handsome true love? The gang has to solve Claudewig's love life problems before Agnet woos him to death. Woos. Please don't say woo. <laughs> and now that everyone's been brought up to date, let's get to our guests. As you've probably realized, back with us are the creators and showrunners of Dwight and Shining Armor, Brian and Leanne Adams. Hey, Josh. It's good to be back. Thank you, Josh. It's great to have you, as always. And with us as well, for the first time this season, you know him as Claudewig the Unstable, Mr. Double Black Belt himself, Evan Hofer. Hi, Josh. Hi, Evan. Hi, future Josh as well. <laughs> and for the first time ever on this podcast, we're lucky to have with us McKaylee Miller, who plays Agnet. Hey, McKaylee. Whee! Hello. Um, I am also a two-time black belt, so I would like that to also be in my Whoa. Are you wearing intro? one of your black belts right now? <laughs> yes. Also, uh, Michaela goes by Mac. Yes. Nice. Very good. Heads up. Um, let's just jump into this thing. Brian, Leanne, we open with one of my favorite human beings, Nate Sears. We originally met Mr. Dale in Winnie, and he was such a nice guy. How do you audition actors like Nate and Kanoa as good guys when you know they're going to have evil turns? Do you test that out, or do you just kind of hope for the best? That's a two-part question. Uh, it, it depends. Uh, actually, with with Kanoa, we we did. With with Nate, we didn't. Uh, we we cast him uh, as nice guy, Mister Dale, and we actually we had plans to you know to darken his character as as the seasons went on, but we actually didn't have the scripts written yet. And as you know, uh, Winnie, his first episode was the very first episode we shot uh, after the pilot, which That's even right. though it was the seventh episode of the first season, it was the first when we shot so we didn't have a lot of uh, scripts written yet and we didn't have his bad guy dialogue written so what happened uh, with Nate we were he totally nailed the nice guy you know <laughs> you know every man shocking yeah. with <laughs> you know relatable you know real estate developer but we brought him in I think it was on like the first or second day yeah. of production we brought him in and we we gave him some you know insight and in where we thought his character might go and we you know kind of uh, got his feelings on on playing a darker character, and also we're trying to sort of assess uh, in the, in that conversation if we felt like he could do it, and and we were very comfortable, you know, quickly that that he could, and he was excited about doing that, even though it was it was definitely a stretch for him, and he said you know he'd never had the opportunity to play a bad guy, but we uh, we were excited about him doing it, and you know I think he he really nailed it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he's he's so fun, and you would just never ever expect him to play a bad guy, which is perfect for mm -hmm. Mr. Dale. That was yeah, that was, that was the, the intention. Idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Evan, Claudewig has gone full young adult and is practicing to perform a song at a coffee shop. <laughs> it's a different side of Claudewig than we've seen before. Emo Claudewig. Emo Claudewig. <laughs> Specifically, yeah, an emo artistic side of him. What do you think guides Claudewig's interests? I don't think Claudewig knows what guides Claudewig's <laughs> interests. I think he sees something and goes, 
okay, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, he's, he's, I'd say he's a jack of all trades. Um, probably also a master of all trades. <laughs> Full of unearned confidence, as exactly. we have said many times. Well, well, I guess that's it. It's like Claudwig just believes he can pick up an instrument and can sing as well as It's like, the... yeah, I shred. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> whip out a lute solo. But it's probably also in his uh, efforts to woo um, modern ladies. He knows that he's been taught that modern ladies hang out at coffee shops and yeah. open mic nights are always a way to lock it down. So Baldrick goes to the magician's conference leaving Dwight in charge of protecting Greta um, and now the kids are guardianless for the weekend this episode Party. has yeah well, th- that's exactly it this episode has the vibe of this like parents out of town team mm-hmm. comedy getting into trouble with girls it's the most uh, who has a crush on who triangle yeah, kind yeah. of episode we have so which came first getting the adults out of town or the creation of Agnet so the creation of Agnet came first we've been scheming for a long time that we wanted Clodwig to have a scary stalker of his own <laughs> we were so taken with that idea of, of the crazy stalker having his own crazy stalker oh my gosh yeah. we love that in yeah. fact uh, we we even toyed with the idea of that evan would play would play that girl oh, that we funny. you know um and, awesome. and that it just like go totally crazy and we we oh. pulled back because that was a, a you know a step too far mm-hmm. but we loved this idea for a long time of, of having this crazy stalker for for Claudwig. um and so that definitely came first but once we introduced agnet into our our story outlining and started to kind of go with the with the story we realized this there really wasn't a place for an adult um kind of guardian uh parent in this story, we, we and we never want to waste a good character in an episode. So um, there was no no really wonderful function for Baldrick to serve in the story. So better to make a joke out of him going off somewhere in the beginning. Let him let let Joel take a few days off, uh, then bring him <laughs> back at the end, and let the kids go and explore um, on their own. It's the first time we had done that, and that opened up an opportunity for us to do just like you say, have this like, it's just us. Um, the parents are gone. There's no adult role models because Claudwig certainly is not an adult role model. Um, also so it, unclear how old he is. Yeah, it is, it is unclear. Yeah. Strangely he's, unclear. He's caught in the middle. He's not an adolescent. He's not really a grown up. He's he has of, a beard. Yeah, he's this man boy. So Matt, could you imagine if I had taken your part? I would have loved it. I would have loved to watch him play yeah. Agnet and Claudwig. Yeah, they were going to bring you in, but then they just decided to use me twice. <laughs> you would have been great. What would your Agnet voice have been? Oh, Claudwig. Oh, I'm so glad you didn't do this. I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to shave either probably for the schedule, so that would, I would have had to... Like, the bearded Agnet. But there would have probably had to have been more jokes about like, she's beautiful, she's just crazy. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, so Dwight and Claudwig's dynamic is one of my favorite parts of the show. From the very beginning, Dwight helps Claudwig learn how to interact appropriately with girls and the world as a whole. Does but, a pretty bad job of that, huh? I'm not sure whose fault that is. <laughs> but the other side of the coin is that Claudwig is pushing Dwight out of his comfort zone, first in lessons one through four, and now by getting him out of the house and into a snake pit. Do you think Claudwig's good for Dwight? I'd say so. I don't actually, although the antics are um, less than ideal, I don't think Dwight has ever had a friend like Claudwig. I don't think we see him have a lot of necessarily like really close male companionship. And so I think having kind of a you know really close friend or brother figures kind of good for Dwight. It's kind of good for both of them because they've never really had that figure. A boundary pusher. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And they just, neither of them really had 
too many male figures in their lives, it didn't seem. So to have somebody there all the time that you know is going to be consistent with you is kind of cool. And Sloan and I have matching suits, so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We'll cover the suits on an entirely different podcast. (laughs) Sponsored by Express. (laughs) Uh, So how did the snake pit work? Was that all shot in one location? And what were props and what were visual effects? You have no idea how complex this question is. Uh, there, there's a hole. Uh, there's yeah. a hole. There was a hole, yeah. There, this snake pit was seriously ridiculously difficult. And, and we had to fight so hard to keep the snake pit. And then when we actually won that battle of keeping the snake pit, uh, it was really complex to shoot. Instant it was, regret. It, right, no, like, we won. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, and, and it was, it was really really complex to shoot and really complex to fill with snakes uh, and we went through a thousand different iterations we actually found a, a great quote was it from Steven Spielberg about the uh, Indiana Jones, Indiana yes. Jones. I, think, I, I think the number I'm, I maybe were off on the numbers but I think originally he said we need a thousand snakes and so they filled it with a thousand <gasps> snakes and he looks and he's like where are the snakes we need ten thousand snakes no. and that's no joke and it was, it was something of that magnitude that like if you want to fill something with snakes on camera bring a lot of snakes Man, that's yeah, crazy exactly. <laughs> and obviously we couldn't have real snakes I mean our, I would not have done uh, we that wanted to. we wanted to there was no way we were going to have real snakes so then the question became well do we do rubber snakes that instantly looked lame they look so, like a bunch of rubber, rubber hoses. snakes yeah right. so we couldn't do that so we knew we were in a visual effects scenario pretty quickly which is which is tricky mm-hmm. because you know there's a lot of shots down there people are running all around and so we, we, we got into that and I think the 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 pit actually we shot in four different parts so when you're when you're looking down on the pit and when you're in the pit uh you're we were on the stage uh and 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 there was a sectional like we pulled out part of the pit so we could shoot it uh and then but then when you're falling into the pit or looking up at the pit we were actually on location in the forest and we actually had to transport this huge you know probably 10 foot tall uh, wall wall. of the cave Uh, we had to transport it to the forest and so we had that and so when we were looking up we actually dug a big hole and we put the camera at the bottom looking up so you could see the sky Uh, I mean it was ridiculous and this is all because you wrote the words they fall into a snake and as far as the visual effects snakes go so we told our visual effects artist Ben Burrell "All right, so we're going to fill this with visual effects snakes the first one that we got back was pythons two feet deep. I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's too many snakes (laughs) and they're too big because our actors were not reacting appropriately to that number of giant (laughs) snakes. I'm like, Ben, we need to reduce snakes by 70%, make them smaller. And and then we had an internal struggle between Leanne and me. I'm like, no, that's the right number of snakes. And so we had to kind of meet halfway. I'm like, no, I like that. More snakes, more snakes. Ryan just wants to be Spielberg. (laughs) It, it also speaks to how crazy Agnet is. It's like, is she oh. filling it to a point where she's going to kill them, or does she just right. want to freak them out a bit? That's the fun of it. Let's, who knows? Let's see how exactly. More the meat cute of it. <laughs> let's talk about Agnet. Mac, we meet Agnet, and she's what I would consider a realistic reimagining of a Rapunzel character. She's what happens when you actually lock a maiden in a tower for her whole life. 
tell me how uh, you came at the character of Agnet. What was your process? Yeah, that's actually super true. And especially, I love the bit with the hair that's the 20 foot long hair that <laughs> then gets chopped right off because that was hard to carry around. So yeah, what what was it like when you read the script for Agnet for the first time? What was your impression I of just her? remember being on set, visit, I was visiting Evan, and I remember some sort of conversation started to happen about, hey, um, if we wrote this character that was like a female version of Evan's character, <laughs> what do you think? And I was like, that sounds really fun. And I remember being at the table read and it was kind of this like, we totally met each other with the energy and with everything and it was hilarious and totally worked. And uh, yeah, it was really, I'm very, very glad that it all sort of worked out. But yeah, it was kind of just me pestering them and then them pestering me and me being like, so is this happening? Is this is this gonna be a thing or can we make this work? And it, it worked out. Why does Clodwig so despise Agnet? Yeah. <laughs> I think she is too beautiful for him to comprehend. I think I think a lot of time when people are such strong and um, eccentric characters and personalities, they you know don't necessarily see themselves a hundred percent honestly, and so they see somebody and they're like, "I hate that guy." Like and they're the same, and you don't realize that they're the same. And they're like, "Oh, I would never want to be like that guy." And you're like. You cool. are. <laughs> but no, there was a lot of me going up to Evan and being like, hey, how do you think you would say something like this? And oh, yeah? he would, oh yeah. And he'd be like, okay, so Claude would, would be very like, Ugh, and I'd be like, okay, cool, Agnet's gonna do that too. And yeah. so it was very Great. much like we kind of, yeah, I, I went for him for some inspiration and we, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. We there was a conversation at some point that maybe Agnet was too much, and maybe um, the Agnet Clodwig dynamic was you know oh too much too much. We need Agnet to be more of a person, and I think that we all really fought for like no 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 no. The funny of it is that she is almost more than Clodwig. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. she is so obsessed with him the way that he once was with Greta mm -hmm. that it's 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 entertaining that way. It's that's impossible it. to be too much. Right. Well, that's, <laughs> well, that's that's interesting though that you say that because. What's funny is that Clodwig gives up on Greta pretty quick, but you never give up on mm -hmm. Clodwig. No. <laughs> never, never, never. <laughs> Let's listen to a clip. Mommy promised you to me, but I had to set you free, so I did. And wrote this poem to sing to other girls once I know them. Greta, Greta, you were my love, my cousin, my quest. Greta, 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 it's over now and for the best. Greta, 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 you were my love. Tower that was guarded by a troll. The troll did not let me leave the tower. Never, not once in my entire life. Just me by myself in a tower. It was exceedingly boring. Until one day my prince came and knocked the troll unconscious and set me free. 
Hardwick, I will never give up on our love. Never, 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 never. <laughs> So let's talk about the coffee shop scene. Um, I want to know everything about this. How did putting the songs together work? What was it like shooting it? Tell me everything about this well, sequence. I'll, I'll start with the songs. So Brian wrote the lyrics for both of these songs. Brian is a songwriter, a, a very good songwriter. Yes, and a good musician. And, and a good around. musician. So he yeah, wrote Canadian the lyrics rock star, to this. Brian and, Adams. <laughs> and he, he went in, you know, into his office for a couple of hours and then came out very happy with himself because <laughs> he had written the two worst songs <laughs> ever written by human beings <laughs> and we were so proud of it um they're yeah. these just awful awful love ballads this is this is one of those things that i was like born to do <laughs> I, was, like, born to write. I, I always have like constantly weird songs going in my head i'm uh, and this is a little you know peek inside the the brain uh. but it like essentially these songs are always playing in my head a version of it we've got the uh, straight jacket so, waiting outside yeah exactly i need it and so now i got paid for just writing that stuff down so that, that was the dream it, it really was tell me about uh, actually shooting those songs because that that must have been a blast it, it really it really was uh the realization of a dream and i and and our composer christian davis was uh, heavily involved obviously and i think this was the only time well actually one of two or three times where he was actually on set so he was you know highly highly uh, integral uh, in the process and he was he you know wrote the music for the songs and he you know recorded it and he was there you know coaching you guys and i think you had some sort of rehearsals beforehand yeah if we, I'm not mistaken. we we pre-recorded the songs on the stage um and then we had earwigs is that what they're called yes. yeah yeah we had earwigs in to shoot them which Really hard. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> voice no, of a generation. Over no, there. it's it's because I didn't have to sing. Mine was ah, ah like I had no rhythm or melody. I was very excited that yeah. it was kind of like okay, now 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 do it bad. A freestyle, <laughs> a freestyle rap. Yes, yes, basically. So there's this great scene where Dwight is basically politeness translating for all of Claudewig's insults of Agnet, and it's this great two shot. Uh, what was it like getting the timing right for this sequence? Did you guys rehearse ahead of time or did you just go on the day? Um, it was pretty easy, actually, because Sloan and I are normally very in sync with everything. And so it just made sense. We're like, that's how it's funny. So do it like that. That's truly <laughs> how it, they are in real life, too. Um, and, it, and it just came out like that the first time? Or were the, did you kind of get better and better as you um, went? As we remembered the lines, it got easier. <laughs> <laughs> that's the trick. Okay. Now we have the return of Yokopo. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> what goes into deciding when and where to bring back characters we've seen in previous episodes? Like, why Yacopo? Why Have now? you met you? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is truth to Evan's statement there. So for, after Flip, we thought Yacopo has to come back. Honestly, Josh, what you did with Yacopo was so special and so fun that we knew Yacopo was coming back. Thank um, you. And we were, we were waiting and waiting for just the right opportunity. We wanted to, again, we never want to waste a great character. Right. So he had to come back for a specific reason. And we were kind of waiting for the right idea to strike us. And it was a bit late in the development of the Agnet storyline that we hit on the Yacopo idea. We went through a lot of potential endings for Agnet, even even maybe an ending where 
Clodwig has a change of heart and decides that Agnet's okay. And then we're like, well, but we didn't feel like Clodwig really could end up with Agnet. Right. So, so then, then we start, you know, ideating on, well, what, how then do we resolve Agnet's character? You know, does, does she move into town and start a daycare? <laughs> does she, like, <laughs> we went through all kinds of ideas on it. Uh, and, and then we thought, you know, what she really wants more than anything is to find this true love who will love her back. And who could that be? And as we started potentially inventing a new character, it's like, we can't invent a new character, mm-hmm. a, a, an additional new character. Right, because it would be very hard to sense. introduce oh, a new character that hard. late into an episode as Very, well, right? very hard. So that didn't work. And we're like, well, who already exists in our community? And very quickly, we landed on Jacopo. Partly because we've been looking for an opportunity to bring him back, but also because it made really good sense. He's so motivated by a desire first to do the chivalrous thing. Chivalry is is his primary concern. Um, and so the opportunity to save a damsel in distress, he's the guy who would respond to that. Also, he's a character who is searching for love as well mm-hmm. um, in a really different way than Agnet, but that's what he wants is to be considered somebody's prince. Uh, and so it it really clicked together quickly for us once we realized um, that they were a potential couple. Um, and the last we saw of Yukopo, he was just, you know, walking off to parts unknown. So he could easily be out in the woods. So it, it, it came together pretty quickly and felt like the right answer that the two of them would end up together. Right. I want to grab the host mic just for a moment here, <laughs> oh. <laughs> since you are the host and now you're also an actor in the episode. Uh, so... Josh. Yes, yes, Brian. As an actor, yes. uh, coming back to a show, is the prep for returning to a series for the first time any different than preparing for your very first episode on that show? It it absolutely is. Um, Please, I, elaborate. I will, I will. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I, I watch a lot of TV, as you can probably tell by this podcast, and something I notice is that recurring guest stars often get trapped into a stereotype of themselves. There's one joke that works really well in the first episode they're in, and then that becomes the only thing that character does. Mm -hmm. So when I looked at the script for Agnet, there were great things that did um, call back, like the, but this time I'm Mm -hmm. ready. There were rhythmic things that I knew related to the first time. But it was important for me to start expanding the character, because if I didn't do that and give it a different kind of depth, which you guys provided for me by making it a romantic interest, which is Mm -hmm. very different than the first time, Mm -hmm. um, that allowed me to grow the character and make him more dimensional instead of becoming flatter. Very cool. Follow-up question. Yeah. Why does Jacopo hate Clodwig so immediately? (laughs) The piggy face print. (laughs) (laughs) I think... Yakopo reacts so quickly to Claudwig's distaste for a maiden in distress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is so against his core values that he does not even understand how a person who is a prince mm-hmm. can act like this. Yeah. Perhaps it relates to the fact that Yakopo uh, wishes he was a prince exactly. so bad. I think exactly. Much so. Not, like Claudwig squan- squanders the mm-hmm. opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. If if Yakopo was a prince, he would act very yeah. differently. He would be a chivalrous prince, and mm-hmm. he sees this person who attacks him right away and doesn't care about this woman in the woods and it is just the opposite of how mm-hmm. he lives his life. So for me that was that was where the distaste comes yeah. from. And there's also, I mean, let's be honest, Jacopo is villainous too. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's not all out of good. He pins Clodwig to a tree and immediately starts insulting him because <laughs> the the 
Jacopo is very insecure about his station yeah. in life. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that Claude Wig doesn't care about the damsel. It's that I want to be what you are. Yeah. I'm going to bring you down to my yeah. level and try to be better than you. Yeah. And I think that's largely like where bully. it comes from. Like a bully. <laughs> except uh, except a very chivalrous well, bully. <laughs> all of that prep, you know, seriously helped us out a lot, uh, which uh, maybe this is a spoiler alert, but <laughs> but gives us the opportunity to involve Jacopo more. I mean, that, that prep really does, uh, you know, allow the character to grow. And then it, I, I think it's a symbiotic relationship that, you know, we yes. see you expanding the character. So we're able to expand it some more. So that, it, it works really well. Well, and something that. really interesting happened in this rivalry between the two men that, that we we liked it on the page, and then when we saw it on screen, we're like, oh my gosh, there's something between these guys that we can continue to develop. So that that animosity between Yokopo and Clodwig continues to escalate. We need to have a cage match, <laughs> Clodwig Yokopo cage match. Oh. <laughs> Evan, why is it that once Yokopo decides to rescue Agnet, Clodwig wants to rescue her too? Well, here's the deal, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Clodwig's not. An alpha male. He is the alpha Ooh. male. So, <laughs> you ever heard the saying, "You always want what you can't have." Yeah, that's, so, yeah. that's it's like. Well, I didn't. Why? I still wanted to chase me. Yeah, <laughs> it's called attention. <laughs> so, so Claudwig basically, if Yakopo was reaching for an apple, Claudwig would like lick it and put it back. <laughs> but it's like, I don't. Yes. He doesn't want it. He just doesn't want you to have it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> he's like an older brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, Mac. I remember, uh, I remember this pretty vividly. So, mm-hmm. what was it like hanging out in that net? And uh, more importantly, who did you want to uh, win the battle <laughs> over uh, the men fighting over you? Didn't you want Caitlin to win? I did. <laughs> that's a good answer. That's, Listen, a, that's a safe answer. Caitlin and I are going to run away together. Um, Greta and Agnet are just going to live happily ever after, far, far away. No, the net was fascinating because I don't remember what it was, but I remember I had a harness and then I had something on my side. And the way that I would get into the net before every take was they would lay the net flat and then they would lay this like pad sort of thing on the net and then I would lay down on my (laughs) side sideways and then they'd go okay one two three and then they would pull the net up and then pull me up with it and then kind of hang me there for a little bit and it was good for like like the first 20 minutes I was like all right all right this is good this is good and then at a certain point because we had been doing a couple takes and I was very like you know she's like sticking her fingers through and like trying to be like oh boys oh boys and moving I had accidentally shoved the pad like into my ribs and then I was like I can't breathe so it was yeah but it was cool it was that this episode is so full of like stunts and getting to do things that I had never done before I've never been dangled from a tree before so so it was really? very, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. I'm really happy with the way that it looks. Cause it, you can't, you truly, it looks like I'm fully just yeah. hanging in this net. It's yeah, awesome. The effect is great. I just remember so you awesome. being in there for some time while Evan and I tried to get our lines right. <laughs> A length of time. <laughs> so we have Claudwig and Yakopo fighting over Agnet in the dirt and we have Agnet swinging in a net pretending she wants them to stop. And we have Dwight and Greta actually solving the situation by trying to cut her down. 
when you were writing this sequence, how did all three of these actions coalesce in your minds? Sure. So we wanted to build this to a height of chaos. Um, and, and Which it does beautifully. It really, really does. And thanks to our director, thanks to our composer, obviously thanks to all the actors, um, it, it reaches this frenzied state. Yeah. Uh, so we, we knew we had kind of um, three different objectives playing in the scene and we had to keep tabs on, on everybody at once. And we've been accused uh, many times of writing uh, scripts that feel like stage plays which mm. is because we started by writing stage plays. <laughs> That's and our have, background. And that have scenes within the scenes, which really frustrates we have scenes uh, production and scenes. directors. Right. Um, we kind of like it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so we do tend to throw a lot of characters into a scene and then break them into little mini scenes that are all happening sort of simultaneously. What that allows us to do is build a sense of momentum in the scene and allow the character's action to interrupt one another so that any time that one action starts to stall, the other action can take over uh, and keep propelling the storyline forward. There was a moment uh, where we were doing the stunt where Evan had to tackle me and we were having trouble getting the pad out of the shot and it wasn't quite working. We'd rehearsed it a few times and they went, you know what, just don't do the tackle. We're not going to do it. And right before the shot, I looked at Evan and I just went, just hit me. <laughs> and, and they called action in Evan. And I went, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it made the and, cut. And, and he came saw. like a bad hell and just boom, boom. Took me out from the side. It was... Yeah, I played safety. <laughs> Thank you for that, Josh. And I played wonderful. the MC in Cabaret. That <laughs> 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 was my pleasure. Um, all right. Let's listen to another clip. Signorina Bella, you are safe now. I don't know about safe. The orcs that set this trap will be here at any moment. Then fly away with me. Dolcezza. Anywhere, my prince. Come, cuore mio. Oh, you are so noble, so chivalrous, and that accent. Oh, what about my accent? Car mio. <laughs> Hurry, my prince. We are on a schedule today. Goodbye, baby-faced monkey. Say hello to the fat man and my favorite wrinkly lady. <laughs> Will do. They are perfect for each other, right? I give it six months. So you talked about this a little, but when did you realize that Agnet and Jacopo would be a perfect match for each other for, you know, at least six months? Yeah, so so the thought was, and, and Mac did such a great job with this in the moment when she uh, looks up at him and says, anywhere, my prince. <laughs> and you see Jacopo's whole face just soften. Like he's been waiting for someone he finally to got think what he he's wanted. a prince, yeah. you know. Um, and, and she's been waiting for someone to to rescue her and say, fly away with me, Dolcezza. Live, live the romantic adventure with her. Yeah, so they, they really do seem very perfectly suited to one another. Um, it, it Oddly, it's uh, it's Claudwig at the end that kind of brings us back to reality. Like, I give it six months. These guys know nothing of one another, <laughs> and they're both crazy. Yes. So can this really work out? Um, it, it may not go the way that it happens in Agnet's books, mm -hmm. um, and, and we'll definitely see more of Yukobo and Agnet, but it seems like a, a perfect match in that moment. So we end with a bit of mythology. Sir Aldred is summoned by a Tovenar, which shouldn't be possible since he's the only one left. And we see that it's Mr. Dale who summoned him. When in the writing process did you decide that Mr. Dale would be possessed by another Tovenar? So quite early on as we were developing our Dark Realm storyline about the Tovenars, um, it, it made sense to us that this... Uh, this um, 
very sweet and nice uh, real estate developer might be the one to accidentally disturb the powers that have been resting underground for a while here. It makes sense. He's the guy, you know, digging foundations and getting out there and, and, um, and, 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 disturbing things that shouldn't be disturbed. Right. It, it makes sense. And we were hopeful that it would be a little bit of a surprise. Also, it's one of those things that that works perfectly because uh, it works organically, but people wouldn't necessarily expect yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Sweet, nice uh, Exactly. Nice so in Invincible, we see um, Mr. Dale discovering the box at the dig, opening it up. We know that something dreadful has happened to him when he clutches onto that that old, old bone. Uh, and now we're returning to that and seeing the effects of it, that, uh, that something bad happens to him at night. He doesn't know what happens to him at night and then the next we see him he's clearly a very different person so this is our chance to play with a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde where Dr. Jekyll is unaware of what Mr. Hyde does Um, and that's that's fun that just gives us a lot of opportunity he can be both a villain and an ally depending on the time of day that's really interesting I just have one thing this if you can pick a favorite child this is my favorite episode yeah Uh, of all of the 40 that we have shot so far this one is just so it came together so fantastically and and huge thanks you know to Evan and Mac for making that happen and especially Ooh. you know to Mac for joining our our crazy band of lunatics uh, <laughs> thanks for having me it, I mean it, it, it's so beautiful the yeah. way it all came together well that wraps it up for season two episode nine of Dwight and Shining Armor the Sunken Kingdom the behind the scenes podcast about everything Dwight thank you Brian thank you Leanne thank you Josh thank you Josh thank you Evan thank you Mac thank you Josh you're welcome Josh well, I don't even know who is who. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow Brian on Instagram at Brian underscore J underscore Adams. You can follow Leanne at Leanne H Adams. You can follow Mac at McKaylee M. That's M C K A L E Y M. Wow. You can follow Evan Hofer at Evan Hofer. You know that's right. <laughs> you can follow the show at Dwight and Shining Armor, and you can follow me at the Josh Breslow. Woo. Tune in again next week for the season two finale, Wishy Washy Part One. I'm Josh Breslow. Thanks for listening. Go on an adventure today. It might change your life. <laughs>